You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Nolan is standing by. Hey, Wacky Bruce. Coming to you from an undisclosed location, this is the Bruce Exclusive. And here's your host, Bruce Nolan. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome to another edition of the Bruce Exclusive, a Buffalo Rumblings podcast. I'm your host, Bruce Nolan. You can find me on Twitter, Instagram, at Bruce Exclusive. Welcome back. Doing a podcast in the middle of this particular week is like trying to level your bookshelves in the middle of an earthquake. You're always holding off waiting. You're like, okay, is it over? Can I, can I record now or can I not record now? I don't know quite when it was going to happen. I was going to try and do it earlier this week. But I sat down to do it and I said, by the time this releases, everything will change. And so I just have to wait until the last possible moment or else my information will be out of date. And listen, you know, I can be wrong or right, but there's nothing worse than being out of date. Whether you're right and out of date or wrong and out of date, either way, you're still out of date. So the Buffalo Bills 53-man roster has been mostly finalized. Obviously, things are going to change. Things are going to be shifted around still, probably. The 16-man practice squad has not been announced, but we think we have all 16 names. And I'm not going to go through those. I'm not going to go through the 53-man roster, the 16 names. You can Google that stuff. I try try not to give you information that you could just easily Google. Instead, we're going to talk about four specific players that I want to go over because they were the storylines of 53-man cutdown day and the practice squad and the additions. We're going to talk about Kyrie Elam. We're going to talk about Boogie Basham. We're going to talk about Jermaine Fetty, And we're going to talk about Christian Kirksey because those are the four players around which the storylines have started to bubble up. I wrote an article, an opinion piece, for Buffalo Rumblings about Kyrie Elam. And... I used the following phrase. I said that the Kyer Elam draft pick in this opinion piece is approaching hedged disappointment for the Bills. That's what I call it. Hedged disappointment. And in the event you don't know what that means, in the event that it's not contextually obvious, I want to give you a name. Do you remember John McCargo? I'm sure that there are some people who barely remember that the bills made him a first round pick in 2006 he hailed from the same defensive line as mario williams who was the number one overall pick that year from north carolina state 
McCargo was the second of the Bills' first-round picks that year. It was Dante Whitner at 8, and then McCargo at 26. After the draft, analysts had questioned that a little bit. They're like, well, maybe he's a, a second-round pick. Maybe he's a, a mid-day-two kind of guy. The Bills traded up to get him at 26. But Marv Levy was absolutely sure that you needed to build this defense from the middle outward and getting a defensive tackle and a safety was his method of being able to do that. Two days later, the Bills doubled down on defensive tackle with the 134th overall selection in the 2006 NFL Draft. The Buffalo Bills selected Kyle Williams out of Louisiana State. Round number five. McCargo sat behind Kyle Williams from almost the moment he arrived in the camp. He only played in five games during his rookie year. Williams, Larry Triplett, and Tim Anderson were ahead of him on the depth chart. Year two hoped to be better for McCargo. But after re recording zero starts in that second year, still wasn't able to crack the starting lineup, he was traded to the Indianapolis Colts. This was the weirdness. He failed his physical there and then reverted back to the Bills who sat on him and played out the rest of his rookie deal here. Then he played one season with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and his career in the NFL was over. We have a tendency when we talk about all-time Bills busts to not talk about John McCargo. We talk about Aaron Mabin. We talk about Mike Williams. We talk about a lot of players in the recent times when it comes to first-round draft busts. We do not talk very much about John McCargo. Part of that is because of Kyle Williams. He went on to not only become a very good defensive tackle, but also a beloved team leader. There are some people who had him as their favorite player during a very meaningful stretch of Buffalo Bills football. There were people who were almost more happy for Kyle than they were for themselves when the Buffalo Bills broke the 17-year playoff drop. McCargo's career not meeting expectations because, you know, it's associated with the player you trade up in the first round for. That was hedged because the team had acquired a player who vastly exceeded expectations at the same position in the same draft class. Does this sound vaguely familiar to anyone so far? Buffalo Bills, 2022, first round. They trade up. They select Kyrie Elam. In the sixth round, that same draft, they select Christian Benford. Elam was playing in the second half of a preseason game against the Bears, which, as we talked about, when you play and with whom you play, is far more predictive than how you play. That signifies once again where he sits on the depth chart. One of the reasons he's at that position on the depth chart, which is probably no better than third at the outside corner number two spot. So it's the fourth outside corner on the team behind White, Dane Jackson, Christian Benford. One of those reasons is Christian Benford. Benford made another handful of good plays against Chicago. Was in perfect position for a sideline pass breakup. Broke down and made a tackle of Justin Fields in the open field. Benford played well. And just like the McCargo-Williams scenario, Elam has been behind Benford from the beginning. 
It was Benford who opened the 2022 season ahead of Elam on the depth chart, walking out there for the opening snap against the Los Angeles Rams, Thursday night football. Now the team rotated by drive. Elam still wasn't able to get meaningful snaps until Benford started to suffer injuries. Now we talked about this on a previous pod. Elam's playoff performances against the Miami Dolphins and the Cincinnati Bengals, which were good in my opinion, gave many hope, including myself, that he would turn the corner, not just in the on-field play, but also in the eyes of the coaches. But here we are. The 2023 regular season is upon us, and Elam is the fourth outside corner on the team. What may have been interpreted during 2022, the postseason, as being playing time due to gained trust, may have just been playing time due to necessity. And now, the dreaded B word. Not that B word, the other one. The one we use in association with draft picks has started to circulate around the community in regards to the former Florida cornerback. Meanwhile, the Bills may have found a gem in Christian Benford. A platoon situation with Benford and Dane Jackson might be what rolls out across from Trey White in week one, which leaves Elam as a spot player, emergency backup, depth piece. Benford came into the league with a lot of experience from Villanova, started eight games and played in nine as a true freshman and compiled meaningful snaps and starts, played in a variety of defensive coverages. Elam, on the other hand, came to one Bills dry, having played the overwhelming majority of his snaps as a press man corner in Florida. The idea that Benford might start off ahead of Elam due to this was not outrageous. I had people message me, should we be concerned about Kyrie Elam? This was early in 2022. I said, no, not yet. It makes absolute sense that Benford would have started ahead of him based on their college careers. But that was a year ago. In 2023, it's hard to think of this as anything other than a disappointment that Elam hasn't grabbed a hold of the CB2 spot, given his gifts, pedigrees, and expectations. Because you should have expectations associated with a player you trade up in the first round for. So yeah, I think it's completely fair to call that a disappointment, but it's a hedged disappointment, in part due to Benford. So the Bills trade up in round one, they select a player, and then they make a day three pick at that same position in that same draft and watch as the day three player outshines the first round pick, at least so far. It is really important to note that this analogy is not Kyle Williams is Christian Benford and John McCargo is Kyrie Elam. Kyrie Elam is already better than anything John McCargo ever was. And Christian Benford is not even close to being what Kyle Williams was. That's not what this is. It is the relationship between Williams and McCargo mirrors the relationship between Benford and Elam. That's really important. So don't come at me in the comments section. Don't come at me on Twitter and say, well, McCargo is way worse than Elam. I know. Oh, Benford isn't Kyle. I know he's not. That's not what I'm saying. The relationship between the two of them feels eerily similar to me. Well, Bruce, this just means we have a really, really good set of corners. Did you say that last year when you were 
absolutely screaming at Dave Jackson? I don't think you did. I don't think you thought the Bills had four awesome starting quality corners last year. It feels a little bit like coping to me. Because Benford has played well. Has Benford been so unbelievably good? Has Dane Jackson been so unbelievably good that you could think that Kyer Elam could simultaneously be meeting expectations and also CB4 when it comes to the outside cornerback spot? Is that possible? Yes, he's meeting expectations. Yes, he's completely on track. Yes, we're really happy with his development. He just happens to be CB4. He has two people ahead of him who are way better than the expectations of a first-round pick, a player you traded up for. I cannot possibly frame this any way that's logically that's not a disappointment for Kyrie Elam. But it's a hedged disappointment because of what Benford has showed. I really like Benford. I was completely on board with moving Christian Benford to fill the spot that would have been vacated by Jordan Poyer so that you could get Benford and Jackson slash Elam on the field. But then they re-signed Jordan Poyer and Benford stayed at corner. And I think Benford's played well. I don't think he's been like so far an absolute stud, but I'm really pleased overall with Christian Benford, which is what makes this a hedged disappointment. I am not going to call him a bust. I'm not going to do it. I will say he is approaching hedged disappointment. Right now, I'm, I'm a little disappointed. He is approaching what I would consider to be a hedged disappointment. I'm not going to call him bust yet. I'm not going to do it. Not ready. Because here's the thing that we need to understand. We want everything to be a destination. We constantly want to immediately rush to a conclusion on a player as if somehow the fact that you're there first makes it better. Well, I called him a bust six months ago and you're just calling him a bust now. Therefore, I'm right. Like I'm more right. I'm, I'm better at this. We want to get to the destination. We want to immediately get to whatever the player is. But what they are is fluid. We feel like we should get a prize if we get there first. Because trending, that language, he's trending toward, it's leaning toward, it's looking like it might become, that's boring language. We don't like that. Is is more exciting and it generates more hot takes because it's definitive and it's strong. Bruce, you need to make more strong takes. You need to say what is. There are three phenomenons. Where the player is, where they're trending, and what the confidence level is in the trend. Think about this. Close your eyes for a second unless you're driving or doing other things that require you to see. Think about this like a line graph, right? You have a vertical axis and a horizontal axis. The vertical axis is player demonstrated competence. The horizontal axis is time. So think about all the little dots, right? Think about a dot like a, let's say, we could say days, but let's do months, right? Every month is its own dot. As you go along, you create bunch and bunch and bunch of little dots. And those dots are connected by a line. If this is that line graph, then 
the player competence dot, that individual dot is where the player is. That's the current status. The trajectory of the line that you're drawing is the trending. And then the length of the line in total is your confidence level. So you have lots of dots that you connect them all in a line. The longer that line is, that's your sample size. That's the most amount. The longer the line, the more confidence level you should have because the more sample size you have. So with Kyir Elam, we have a dot that's lower than we like it to be. We have a trend that's not going up very fast, but it's a really small line. It's not a very long line. So my confidence level is fairly low, all things considered. Where they are, where they're trending, and what the confidence level is. Where they are is just the dot, just a single dot. Where they're trending is the trajectory of the dot you're at and all of the previous dots. The confidence level is the total size of the line. Those three things are all factors in disappointment. Why do I consider this something that's trending toward hedge disappointment? Well, because we don't have a lot of dots on Kyrie Elam, but they're not pointing in a great direction. Could they eventually? Sure, absolutely they could. But they're not pointing in that direction. If I was to draw a line that connected all the dots, it wouldn't be looking up really fast. It wouldn't be a rising star. It wouldn't even be pointed at a direction that I would feel like, hey, we just keep on this trajectory. I want to feel good about that first round pick. That's what hedge disappointment means to me. I don't think you can spin this in a way that doesn't make it feel disappointing, but you can have a hedge and that's, you did get a good player. I don't know if Christian Benford's ever going to be a player who is worthy of the first round pick. Kyle Williams ended up being in a spot where if you would have drafted him in the first round, you would have been okay with that because he got that kind of return. I don't know if Christian Benford's going to do that, but he's still a good player. Six round pick, man, you get some starts out of a six round pick. That's a W. He's already exceeded expectations, but will he exceed them over top of value in the event that Kyrie Elam happens to fall beneath expectations? Will those two things offset and then some the way that it did for Kyle Williams and John McCargo? Who knows? But that is the Kyrie Elam conundrum. Because I literally post that article and on one hand, I had somebody who was telling me, oh, he's, he's a bust. He's terrible. This is awful. And the other people I had said, oh, well, Bruce, you're being way too hard on him. How could you? I'm like, as always, I'm trying to sit here in the middle with some nuance going, this could be, it's trending toward a hedge disappointment here. And both sides are yelling at me. That's just the way it usually works. But that probably means you're trying to find nuance. When you try to thread the needle, sometimes both sides get poked. Just the way it is. We are going to take a quick break. Stick with me. We'll be right back. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. 
That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Welcome back, everybody, and thank you for joining me for this edition of the Bruce Exclusive uh, Buffalo Rumblings podcast. I'm your host, Bruce Nolan. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Bruce Exclusive. Welcome back. First segment, we talked about Kyrie Elam, his particular spot, where he's at right now. We're going to go through some other notable roster moves that have happened. It is 6.30 p.m. Eastern time right now on Wednesday the 30th, which means if something happens after this, I won't be able to pick it up. Jermaine Ifedi, former first-round pick from the Seattle Seahawks, spent some time with the Chicago Bears, was on the Carolina Panthers, got cut. Buffalo Bills signed him to their 53-man roster. I am for this. Why am I for this? I am for this because I think he's better than David Questenberry. I think if Spencer Brown were to get hurt or fall completely on his face, Ifedi could step in and give you passable play at right tackle. And I heard people getting upset about this. And I thought to myself... What other kind of roster upgrades do you think you're going to get on the offensive line right now? We can play the hindsight game, and I'm cool with that. If you want to say, well, it looks like the Buffalo Bills should have done something. They should have taken Dewan Jones in the third round or something like that. I'm okay with that. But as far as right now goes, this was about as good as you were going to do. Available offensive tackles who have played right tackle, who can step in in a pinch. Better than Questenberry. I don't understand why we don't value upgrading backups the way we value upgrading starters. Upgrading someone who plays all the time is awesome. Upgrading someone who is one snap away from playing all the time is not awesome. We don't even care. So I'm for it. I'm, I'm, I am all the way in on signing Jermaine Effetti. He is a completely passable veteran right tackle who I feel better having him backing up Spencer Brown, then David Questenberry. That's a W for me. I'm a fan. The signing of Christian Kirksey, linebacker, to the practice squad is a win. In case you were wondering why you'd sign a player like that to the practice squad, usually give them a couple weeks to learn the system and things like that. Signing veterans to practice squads at this point, a lot of times you learn the system, you get in, and then you get promoted. You probably don't think he's ready week one. Like, he won't learn the system and be ready by week one, but he might be by week three or something like that. So I am, again, completely okay with this. Passable middle linebacker play is better than you could hope for, given the fact that, again, we can play the hindsight game. Well, the Bills should have drafted Drew Sanders in the second. Well, I I think we're... Most of us are pretty happy with Osiris Torrance, for sure. Oh, well, you know, 
We should have drafted a linebacker. Listen, I I agree with you. I still think to this day that DeMarvey and Overshone could have been the pick in the third round had he not been taken right before the Buffalo Bills picked. But it is what it is. So we can play the hindsight game, sure. But right now, it was Deion Jones or Christian Kirksey. Those are your options as far as veteran middle linebackers go. And I'm completely okay with that. What both of these moves do is it raises the floor. And I want to talk to you something about weak link. So I don't know how long this is going to go, but I want to make sure I establish this. There are certain systems in life and in football that are weak link systems. You have heard the phrase, you are only as good as your worst blank, whatever it is. Those are weak link systems. There is a theory that I ascribe to that coverage units are weak link systems. The fact that you have a singular elite coverage defender, a cornerback or a safety, is not as important as the fact that you have one really bad coverage defender. Because offenses are allowed, and frequently do, isolate whoever is the worst. So the mean is not as important as the lowest potential value. So you should be far more worried about making sure you are raising your floor when it comes to coverage units than you should be about raising your ceiling. Raising your ceiling is good, but the more significant factor is making sure you don't have someone out there in the coverage unit who is abysmal. Because you can have the best corner in the entire league, and if your other corner is awful, the offense will find a way to isolate that player. You'd rather have two good corners than one great one and one bad one. That's what weak link systems mean. Offensive lines are a little bit like that. You can have the best left tackle in football, but if your left guard and your center are bad, the left side of your line is probably still going to be bad. As such, we should be talking way more than we do about raising the potential floor for a unit that we consider to be a weak link unit. And offensive line is one of those things. Raising the floor is a really good thing. And that's what the signing of a player like Jermaine Effetia does. Is it raises the floor. And when you have a weak link system like coverage or offensive line, raising your floor should be talked about a lot more because you can make an argument that that's a really important thing. And if you are one snap away from going from Spencer Brown to Bobby Hart, that's a lot worse than going from Spencer Brown to Jermaine Fetty. The floor, the worst possible scenario has gone up. My wife and I always like to play the game whenever we're making a plan for something. What's the worst thing that can happen and then build around that? Any other outcome then will be beneficial and you will naturally have a plan in place for a better outcome because you plan for a worse outcome. That's the way it is. So, I am on board with this. I'll tell you what I wasn't a fan of. The Boogie Basham trade. Well, Bruce is better than cutting him. It is better than cutting him. You know what would be better than that? Not cutting him. I didn't want the Buffalo Bills to cut Boogie Basham. I think it's too early. I think he showed flashes in the preseason. This looks to me like something where they had already made up their mind. And they went ahead and did it. 
not every single maneuver can be a great one. Not every single pick can be a great one. It's not possible. But I think I would value Boogie Basham more on the team than I would value that draft capital. So yes, it's better than cutting him, but it's still not the best scenario. And for me, the best scenario would be to keep him. Well, Bruce, who would you have cut in his place? Well, Kingsley Jonathan, for one, because I think you could have gotten him to the practice squad. And I wouldn't have kept seven cornerbacks and kept Cam Lewis. So either one of those. So I wasn't a fan of that particular maneuver. I understand it's better than cutting him, but it's not as good as the option that I would have liked, which is to keep him. So we talked about Basham. We talked about Jermaine Effetti. We talked about Kyrie Elam. And we talked about Christian Kirksey. We did the thing. The thing has been done. And next week, I have a surprise for you. But I'll let that sit with you for next week. And if you're the type of person who doesn't like surprises and which you knew right now, well, that's the way the cookie crumbles. I'm Bruce Nolan, Buffalo Rumblings. Support for this show comes from Fundrise. Buy low, sell high. It's easy to say, hard to do. For example, high interest rates are crushing the real estate market right now. Demand is dropping and prices are falling, even for many of the best assets. It's no wonder the Fundrise flagship fund plans to go on a buying spree, expanding its billion-dollar real estate portfolio over the next few months. You can add the Fundrise flagship fund to your portfolio in just minutes and with as little as $10 by visiting Fundrise.com Fox. Carefully consider the investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses of the Fundrise flagship fund before investing. This and other information can be found in the fund's prospectus at Fundrise.com flagship. This is a paid advertisement. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high quality leads, fast closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.